channel open. Welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network and presented in partnership with TrekCore.com. I am your host, Alex Perry. Today's show was recorded on March 24th, 2023, and is current through the Star Trek Picard episode, The Breach, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. Catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a regular news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are five television shows in production, possibly more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me, and I'll help you sort the real facts from lots of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone. And my guest this week is returning guest Sam Nelson. Sam, welcome back to Weekly Trek. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. All right, Sam, well, you know the drill. I want to know something that's got you feeling excited about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Picard, right? Sure. Uh, Six episodes in, and I've, I've heard it referred to on multiple podcasts, on this podcast, reading it on tweets how much of a gift it is. And uh, I, if I have a minute, love to share a, a story that I've been genuinely feel good and, and a part of. My wife is a university professor. She teaches accounting at a college here in South Carolina. And her sweet mate next door to her, he's a marketing professor. He's retiring this year. And for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, he's done a Star Trek class. And for the last few years, I've popped in and helped him out every so often. But this is his last year. And he is just a bit tight with money. So he doesn't have the Paramount Plus app. Uh, So he always waits and buys his physical media, buys his copies. He's excited to get Strange New World Season 1. But he's such a TNG era fan. DS9's his favorite. He loves Jean-Luc Picard. I could not let him go any longer without watching Picard. So in about, I think it was uh, week four. So we've done this now three weeks in a row. On Thursdays, I take a long lunch from work. I drive across town to the university where my wife teaches. And he and I sneak away for an hour and a half into an empty classroom with a big movie projector. And I treat, I log into Paramount Plus and we watch Picard together. We usually get in about an episode and a half in that time frame where I can be away from work between his classes. And just to watch the joy on his face that he can see and be up to date with Picard. That's a true gift. Picard's a gift that's been given to us as fans. And as a fan, I feel like giving it to my Star Trek brother a gift that he doesn't have to wait for. I can talk to him about it immediately once the episode's over. So we're roughly like two episodes behind, so I have to keep real quiet. But this week we watched the end of episode three and partway into episode four. And when I I just stared at him when he realized the changelings are back. (laughs) And it was the best reaction in the world. So for me, Picard's been a treat that I get to share with someone who would have had to have waited I don't know, six, nine, 12 months before it comes out on physical media. So it's so incredible to be a Star Trek fan right now. That's awesome. That's such a nice thing that you're doing for him to do that. That's really terrific. And I can't wait to hear what his reaction is to, right? Like the best is still to come. Still to come. So I watch it. I watch the most current episode. I wake up really early, watch it, go to work. So I watched episode six Thursday. And then I went back to him and watched half of three and half of four. And now I get to see, because usually I'll rewatch the newest episode, but now I can, it's easy, it's fun for me to put together the little, the little hints that uh, they've dropped in and you can see some 
bits and pieces. So I geek out all over again as well. So yeah, absolutely. He's got some great stuff coming, especially after episode six. Hey, and you know, as somebody who's watched the episodes again and again and again, uh, you know, I think I've watched each of the episodes four or five times now. They are eminently rewatchable this Mm -hmm. season. (laughs) All right, let me tell you what I'm feeling good about Star Trek this week, which is... Specifically from this week's episode of Star Trek Picard, Daystrom Station. I love the exterior. I love all the cool stuff they put on the inside. Obviously, we will talk about the data piece in a second in the show, which like is one of my favorite moments of the season so far. But Daystrom Station, right? It, the exterior of Daystrom Station. First of all, it's a mashup of Jupiter Station from Star Trek Voyager and the Midas Array from Star Trek Voyager. I just love that, right? Like, I love that it is two deep cut classic designs from the Berman era, right? Like, you've seen them before. I've got the Jupiter Station Eagle Moss model somewhere around here. So I love that. And then you go inside and it is just like a chef's kiss of Easter eggs, right? You've got a Thaleron device from Star Trek Nemesis. You have a Genesis device from Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. An attack Tribble and the body of Captain James T. Kirk, right? Like, well, as it turns out, the body of one Admiral Jean-Luc Picard retired as well, but like, I just thought it was really cool. The Breach is my favorite episode of the season so far to date for a hundred reasons, and that's one of them. I just really, I liked Daystrom Station as a concept, I liked the execution of it, I liked the way it was presented, I liked the CGI for it, I liked the little Easter eggs they put inside. It was fun, and it was part of a really fun episode. I couldn't agree more. Talk about imminently rewatchable just those bits and pieces from the episode if you as a star trek fans delight uh, yeah you jump out i I knew it as soon as a genesis device of course there would be a second one the body of james t kirk shut up it's like you want to have someone you're watching with and you can just push them shut up i can't believe that and then the station itself the ships ringing around it and we didn't even get to see all the detail i think we've probably planted a seed that we might swing back to in episodes Seven, eight, nine, or ten, I hope. But what a cool place for Jordy to work in. The ultimate collector. I think I, I saw someone, I can't remember who I would attribute that to on Twitter. The ultimate Eagle Moss collector is Jordy the <laughs> Yeah, right. Because he collects the, the real actual ships. ships. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bored today. I'm going to go work on uh, the 1701A. I'm just going to hang out on the bridge today. <laughs> what else are you going to do? He has the life we all aspire to. All right. Well, with that, let's turn to the week's top stories. There's a war going on, and I'm a reporter. Well, Star Trek Strange New Worlds co-showrunner Akiva Goldsman has revealed that the announcement of the Season 2 premiere date is imminent, and filming for Season 3, which so far has not been officially announced as happening, is starting to get underway. In comments at an MIT event last week, Goldsman said, quote, Today or tomorrow, we're announcing the air date of the second season, which we filmed like 17 years ago. Haha, <laughs> it was actually last year. And you'll be really surprised because we just went all over the place and we've just started filming the third season now. Well, clearly, since this event was over a week ago, the promised today or tomorrow announcement has not yet come to pass. But I think that means it will be very likely that it happens by or on first contact day, which will be April 5th in about two weeks from now. During the event, Goldsman also talked about what he likes the most about the Star Trek Stranger Worlds format 
format. Strange New Worlds is doing a thing which I think a lot of us loved about the original series, which is it jumps genre, he said. By the way, science fiction is kind of a misnomer because there are all kinds of science fiction. What's fun about Strange New Worlds, like the original series, is we'll do comedy, we'll do action adventure, we'll do hard sci-fi, we'll do romance. Yes, they're all in the same cradle of science fiction, but they are subsets. He also discussed the differences between Strange Worlds and the original series. There's something great about standalone, there's something great about episodic, and there's something great today about the hybrid model where you can have episodic stories but serialized character arcs. Because poor Jim Kirk in the original series had to watch Edith Keeler die and then be just fine next week. And that's no fun for an actor or a writer. You want people to suffer and carry loss or gain. So we can do that on the streaming platforms while still doing episodic stories. Sam, are you excited for Strange Worlds Season 2? and the functional confirmation that the show will be getting a third season. Of course. You know, I, I see people uh, comment that Picard is the best Star Trek we've had in X number of years. To me, Picard is the best live-action Star Trek we've had since Strange New World Season 1. And it, it meant so much to me. My, my era of Star Trek really is I grew up as a young kid pre-TNG, cutting my teeth on TOS episodes. I loved Enterprise, and I really love Strange New World. I am super excited about Season 3, the unofficial announcement of Season 3. I can't wait for Season 2 to come out. And I think, for me, I think the biggest benefit that um, Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsman and that team has at Strange New Worlds, they seem to be pretty far out and, I, I, and that's because of COVID or the scheduling and the timing. They have spent their time. Uh, I know before season one came out, they broke those stories. They had them ready to go. Season two was done a long time ago. And if that just now starting filming or pre-production in season three, they probably had those stories written and shored up. That means that we get a tight 10 episodes. And what we saw in season one of great standalone stories that carry that arc through character development. They have the benefit of just being a maybe a year plus in advance of the pressure of putting on a show. It's not like the stories we heard, you know, we go back to TNG seasons one and two, where it was a, the, the struggle of, of what's going on, or even early season one and two of Discovery, where it felt like they were kind of making it up a little bit as they went. There were pressures on changing scripts and doing these things. Strange New World seems to be putting it into place. Uh, 10 episodes, let's write them, let's get them tight. We're going to go six months and film them or, or go the year to film them. And they really, they're benefiting from having a schedule that seems to be pulled out for them. And I think we as fans get the ultimate benefit of getting those 10 great stories. Like we saw the Pike, I don't know if it's resolved or not, but I think that he's in a much better place after the, the season finale than he was at the beginning of the season uh, when he's mopey. Uh, in on his horse. So if we can see that happen with different characters every season, man, Strange New Worlds is going to be great, isn't it? Oh yeah, I'm really looking forward to Strange New Worlds season two, and I'm thrilled that you know. I mean, look, I don't think anybody doubted the show was going to get a third season, right? You know, there's all this stuff where it's like, well, you know, it's not done thing until it's a done thing, right? Until the formal announcement's made, and and I'm not saying that, and is the case about Akiva Goldsman's comments, right? Like he wouldn't have said we're starting to film season three if there wasn't going to be a season three, right? It's happening, but it's not like there was really that much doubt with the show being as popular as it was in its first season, mm -hmm. that it wasn't going to make it at least to season three. But it's fun to know that. And I assume, you know, whenever they announce the premiere for season two, they will also say, and we're excited to announce we've renewed the season, the show for a third season, and it's filming in Toronto right now. And I think it's probably a safe bet. It's March the 24th, episode six of Picard, that there is, like, I would put it as a, like, high 90s percent chance that there is going to be a 
gap between the end of Picard season three and the start of Strange New World season two, right? Could be three weeks, could be four weeks, could be five weeks, could be a bit longer. Probably not too much longer because then I think they probably want to do Lower Deck season four in August. So you can't push it back too, too far, but like there will be a gap. But I, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to this and I, I really want to see a trailer, right? Like it's sort of why I'm really sort of gunning for, like I, I expect we will get the announcement on First Contact Day since that's now at the time that people listen to this, less than two weeks away. But I also think it's possible it'll happen before, particularly if they have other announcements for First Contact Day that they want to do as well. So yeah, I'm I'm ready for a trailer. I want to see this. I, I, I'm i ready to dive in and I'm really excited there's going to be a third season. I, I Absolutely. You know, I we come off the news of the last few weeks where we're, I think a lot of fans uh, like me are still processing what does it mean for the end of Discovery? How does that shuffle the schedule? How does that look moving forward? But if I take away, you know, when TNG went off after seven seasons, seven seems like a lot, right? We, and those were 24 plus episode seasons. We don't do that anymore. But in the era of streaming, if we use perhaps the discovery model of five seasons and know that I'm going to bake in in my mind, Picard aside, that was always going to be three seasons. But if we use five as the new model, which most streaming series don't go really past four or five, even popular ones. Uh, I'm a big fan of Succession, which starts Sunday on HBO. They're ending at season four, and they're yeah. one of the most popular talked about TV series that there is. And for me, if if I'm a Star Trek fan and I know that five is the new seven, and I've got season three renewed for Strange New Worlds, and I have maybe a couple more after that, and whatever comes next, and I know we'll talk about that in a few minutes, if I can get five out of that and five out of this, and just let uh, Lower Decks run forever – let Prodigy run forever. I'm, I'm happy as a Star Trek fan knowing that there could be some consistency in what to expect moving forward. I like that way of thinking about it, Sam. Five is the new seven. I had not really kind of processed it that way. I mean, obviously, you know, we talked about Discovery, right? Like, for me, I think the sort of disappointment around five not having been the planned end for Discovery now being the planned end for Discovery has kind of obscured that fact for me a little bit. But, I mean, it's, we talked about it on previous episodes, right? It's great for a streaming season series to get to five seasons. But yeah, if five is the new seven, then if any show's getting past five or is getting to five, we should automatically qualify that as a success in the streaming era in the same way that seven seasons was the barometer of success in the previous era. So, you know, if Lower Decks gets a fifth season, great, it hit five, right? Mm -hmm. If Strange New Worlds gets five seasons, great, it hit five. And that will be our, like, yeah, I really like that. I thank you for putting it that way, because I, I kind of hadn't processed it like that before. And uh, I like that a lot. All right, well, the creatives and stars of Star Trek Picard Season 3 are continuing to speak up about their desire to continue playing in the 25th century sandbox. And fans are joining them, rallying around calls for Paramount to greenlight a successor show to Star Trek Picard Season 3 that Terry Metalis has said he wants to call Star Trek Legacy. The most recent comments on the biggest platform about a successor show to Picard was LeVar Burton, who appeared on The View with his daughter Micah Burton this week to promote Geordie LaForge's appearance in this week's episode. What the writers have done is they have really set it up well, Burton said about a successor show. You have got the next generation of the next generation. The LaForge sisters, one's an engineer, the other's a pilot. We've got Jack Crusher, Seven of Nine. It makes a whole lot of sense. Burton joined series stars like Jonathan Frakes and Jerry Ryan in promoting the idea of Star Trek Legacy. And just like when the calls for a Pike show that became Strange New Worlds began to grow, there does seem to be a groundswell of fan support beginning to build for Terry Metalis's vision for more 
before from the 25th century. But important to note, the streaming environment, a bit different today than it was a couple of years ago when Strange New Worlds was greenlit. Sam, how do you feel about the prospect for Star Trek Legacy? I would put, just based on how Picard and this season has entered into the greater consciousness of pop culture, I would put a greater chance of a Star Trek Legacy series than a Section 31 series, or even at this point, as much as I'd like to see it, a Starfleet Academy series, even though those have been talked about a long time. You know, Section 31 was the next show, and then Stranger Worlds kind of bumped it out of its place. Yeah, right. Legacy, when, when you've got the current showrunner of the show that's on, that's all over the place, when Terry Matala says, I've even got a name for the show, if he's got a name, he's got a whiteboard somewhere with the bones of season one of Star Trek Legacy kind of sketched out. And the dream scenario of who who would we have here and there? When you've got Jonathan Frakes talking about, well, I'd like to show up as an admiral. And you've got Jerry Ryan supportive of the idea. When you've got that kind of talent behind it, I would hope that the studio would take notice that as they're looking and obviously the accountants are involved in, in making decisions for what's right for Paramount, that if they had to go, we have to pick one show that it has to make money, it has to bring eyes to the screen, it has to bring people to the, to the service, what would it be? Will we take a chance on this over here? Or would we put the people that we know are going to put butts in the seats? And that is, to me, Star Trek Legacy versus something a little bit more a roll of the dice. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Although I think it also depends a little bit on at what stage of sort of secret pre-production is either Section 31 or, or Starfleet Academy at, right? Absolutely. Like, sure. you know, if they are like further along, then, um, you know, maybe it's like too late to you know sort of stop them and reinsert something else into like its place right like absolutely from what we understand strangely worlds did displace section 31 in the schedule that section 31 had been kind of moving along and then strangely worlds it was it sort of came down to a choice between section 31 or strangely worlds and they decided to do strangely worlds instead and you know now section 31 will be whatever it will be right comments from kurtzman today or not today but like that have been published in empire magazine recently i'll probably talk in more detail about that article as a news story next week but talking about you know wink wink nudge nudge section mm -hmm. 31 right Right, like sort of, you know, implies that that's still kicking around in the ether. And I, I think that that will potentially have an impact on, you know, let's just call it Star Trek Legacy, right? Like, and I do think that fans will really need to sort of show that they want this and really show that they want this in a more like I, I think the barrier to get it is probably higher than the barrier was to get Strange New Worlds. Oh, agree. Absolutely. Just given the, like, and less about, like, the shows themselves and just more about the sort of where we find ourselves in the streaming ecosystem. Three years ago when Strange New Worlds was greenlit, it was all Star Trek all the time, right? Like, as many shows as they could possibly fit on the board. Studios were still throwing just absolute gobs of money at streaming content and building that out. And we're on the sort of other side of the curve now, right? Like we're starting to, you know, sort of come down the other side where all of the studios are starting to tighten their belts to seek out profitability for the streaming services. And that means cutting their costs and lowering their investments in new content. So that means that in order for them to do this, they have to really 
want to make it happen and the way they really want to make it happen is by fans saying this is something we really want this is going to drive subscriptions and this is going to drive continued revenue and attention on the star trek franchise and so like i really want star trek legacy and i'm prepared to lean in as much as i have to in order to like make this happen because i really want a continuation of 25th century star trek talked about this on a bunch of episodes but like it's my era it's what i want right i, I love all the other shows but this is what i want and i think you know we're really gonna have to just sort of like work to make it happen which is no problem right we're star trek fans we made strange new worlds happen we made a fourth season of enterprise happen we made a third season of star trek happen we've made 900 episodes of this long-running franchise happen we can do it again to get a star trek legacy show i am paramount perfect customer when it comes to Paramount Plus, I do not cancel my subscription between seasons. I keep it. And because I spend $10 a month, for it's the only one I think I get without commercials. I have them all, but I have the commercial plans to save some money on some of the others. But for this one, I watch other shows on Paramount. And I know that they have invested heavily in the Taylor Sheridan universe of Yellowstone. They have essentially, if you look at their the Paramount Plus platform, They've got a bunch of Star Trek and they got a bunch of Yellowstone spinoffs. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't watch Yellowstone, never watched a single episode. But I did watch 1923 because I like Harrison Ford. And then it made me go watch 1883. So for me, I am Paramount's perfect kind of customer. And if they can do the same thing with Star Trek and continue to find what works for a broader audience, like a legacy series would do, I think that's going to continue to allow them to bring people into the fold and keep them there. And if that is a Michelle Yeoh, a Section 31 miniseries or movie or limited series, then strike while the iron's hot, while she's still holding the Oscar, that would be another great avenue. There's plenty of great chances out there for this. I think Legacy is in the best position it's going to be in right now. And it is no bad thing that you have LeVar Burton and Jonathan Frakes and Jerry Ryan and Terry Metalis out there you know, sort of advocating to do this and saying they want to do it and it's a good idea, right? Like, you know, the fans have some help on this one. And I think, you know, as if we if we all work together to send that strong signal to the studio, hopefully they'll listen and pay attention and and give the fans what they want, right? Like Strange Worlds has been massively successful. That was not the intent of Paramount, right? Like <laughs> until we said this is what we want. What we want. And it has paid dividends to them, right? Like, pay attention to us again, please. We know what we're talking about. Well, this week's episode of Star Trek Picard The Breach saw the big return of Brent Spiner and LeVar Burton to the Next Generation family on Star Trek Picard. Well, I guess Brent Spiner's been on it the previous two seasons, but like, we got him back for this season, and the two TNG stars talked to Variety about the experience. When asked if he had thought in the intervening years since Nemesis about what Geordie got up to after the last TNG movie, Burton reflected on how Picard gave him an opportunity to advocate for a course correction for the character from TNG. No, not really, he said. I mean, when it was clear that Nemesis was going to be our last hurrah, there was some sadness that we didn't have an opportunity to go out, you know, knowing that we were going out. Creating a story that did that would have been nice. But after two decades, I'd long since given up on the idea that we'd ever come back together again. So this was a pleasant surprise. And an opportunity, I think, to make an adjustment where Geordie is concerned that I felt really needed to happen. In the series, Geordie, as the engineer, was uncomfortable in the presence of women, which I never liked. Especially given if you look at War 
Worf is a Klingon and not a human, then Geordie was the black man who had maladaptive relationships with women. That felt uncomfortable as well. Terry's idea that Geordie had kids, that he was a parent, addressed that for me really elegantly. And Brent Spiner was staying mum in the interview about the surprise reveal this week that the android we thought was just law is a little more than that, containing both law and data, but he did talk more about how much he has been enjoying not having to wear the full data makeup again. Well, it certainly saved a lot of time for me, he said. Terry and I discussed this synthetic being having no gold eyes either, but at the end of the day, we thought it needed that one distinguishing quality that just went through time and remains the same. And the two both reflected on what it was like to be back on the screen together, given the deep friendship between Data and Geordie on The Next Generation. Spiner said, quote, it felt very natural for me. We had a history of playing together, but primarily because we have so many years of being together since we last played the characters. Our affection for each other is no less than the characters have for each other, so it's not particularly difficult to have that experience. And Burton reflected that, quote, Brent Spiner's hands down the best acting partner I've had in my life. There is an unspoken language that we have developed over time that comes quite naturally to me. And we heard from LeVar in the last story about his desire for a continuation for these characters. And what about Brent Spiner? Well, Brent said, and I quote, I for one would like to see one of these 10 episode movies every single year for as long as they can do it. Sam, what was your reaction to seeing Geordie and Data back this week in Star Trek Picard? Yeah, that was in an episode filled with a hundred wow. Uh, that was one of those that just caught you, right? You're watching it and you see it and you're, you're looking at Jordy's face. And I had to watch this scene a couple times because the first time I watched it, I didn't hear what else was going on. I kind of, uh, Rafi and Jonathan or, or Riker, just, I kind of ignored them for a second. I just focused on what was Jordy looking at when he saw his old friend again. You know, it's wild to think that 1986, they're, they're putting together TNG and you find two actors and you cast them in these roles and you don't know what it's like and you don't know if the series is going to make it a season and it goes on and now we're 30 years later and these two guys who were written to be best friends really kind of became best friends and it's really cool to see it come full circle and see them back together and you can't ask you know Brent Spiner was asked to play I don't know two dozen characters in his career in Star Trek and now we can just kind of jam them all together into one body uh, it, for me, it's, it's got to be great for Brent and to, to play them all together and then to see his friendship, uh, Spiner's friendship with uh, LeVar Burton on screen and off. That's real friendship chemistry. It's it's almost like if we got a quick miniseries with um, O'Brien and Bashir, it'd be that same kind of chemistry. And I don't know if those actors hang out outside of Star Trek, but certainly these two together it's just a heartwarming moment. Yeah, I love the Geordie Data stuff in this week's episode. I love the way that they centered the return of data on the data Geordie relationship and not the data Picard relationship, right? Like the movies through the next generation, data's great relationship was with Geordie and somewhat with Picard, right? Like, but the movies then reinterpreted that because Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner were the two big stars mm -hmm. to have it be the Picard data movies. And then Picard season one kind of picked that up and continued on with it and it was Picard who like helped that version of Data into death mm -hmm. and so it's wonderful that now they've sort of picked this back up again the focus is on Geordie on Geordie and Data's relationship and I think there's probably going to be some people who are like I don't 
love that Data's back again because, you know, the send-off in season one was really good and, like, that closed the story for the character and, like, I get that, but I am also thrilled to see data again and it also right like just the fact that his appearance is so different this is clearly you know a different version of the character we don't know how the sort of law situation will resolve and how that will resolve but i love the idea of revisiting data in a slightly different way than we've seen him before right the season one appearance that was classic data right yellow makeup and everything this is something a little different clearly you know they they have ideas for the direction they want to take this in right that whole alton soon speech which I thought it was wonderful they brought him back from season one. I thought the character was rubbish in season one, but I really liked the way they kind of wrapped that up because they didn't need to, uh, or I guess they didn't have to. So I, I really liked the speech and the speech sort of implies like this is something new and this is something different. I just really like it. I really like the fact that Data's back, you know, they sort of talked about like there being that the TNG crew were coming back and it was like, oh, who's Brent Spiner going to play right? Like, is it going to feel quite the same when it's just six of the seven and the seventh mm-hmm. is sort of playing the like villainous version of him? And of course it's Data. And I, but I love that they kept that under wraps. I love that we didn't find that out until today. They sort of told you it was law and it's like, no, actually it's Data, right? It's Pop Goes the Weasel and Moriarty and Crows. It's not crystalline entities and and facial twitches <laughs> so yeah i just like i i love i love this episode and and that was another scene so well done there were probably a, a hundred different directions they could have taken it when in the teaser we saw jordy look at lore and we saw moriarty and we didn't really know how it was gonna, gonna all fit together and then as the episode is unfolding and we see the crow and we see Riker start putting it together, the notes, and then the way they put the flashback to encounter Farpoint in there. Ah, beautiful. Just it was just and, and Moriarty was kind of a red herring, but it was so fun. And Riker got to put it together with the crow and the song and 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 when you find it, and then we get a scene where all of them are how many how many scenes in TNG did we get where the crew is gathered around data with his head open? And Jordy and Crusher jamming stuff in there to figure out what's going on. It was just it, the whole sequence was just perfectly delivered, and and I, I'm glad it is a. It's not Brent Spiner just playing bad lore, and he's like one of the bad guys. I really did the way they the writers have really developed a way to kind of tie up a lot of things and a lot of storylines and a lot of loose ends. The the uh, the Alton's uh, sing is, is is a good example of something they didn't really have to tie up, but they did it anyway. Everything's kind of. It, you can feel now, as we enter the back half of the season, that direction that we are speeding, unfortunately, speeding towards the end, where they're really that, that funnel is starting to, to catch, us, uh, catch up with us, but could not have been a better introduction to the oldest new character that we could possibly get. I'm annoyed at myself now, too, because I remember there being a story several months ago. I can't remember who said it. It might have been, it might have been Jonathan Frake. Somebody said that that first meeting between Riker and Data was in some way important for the season. And like how that did not then like sort of switch the thinking over to, well, maybe Brent Spiner is just playing Data, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. But, that you know, they did such a great job of like, of holding that reveal back. And it is so wonderful for the fact that they did, because like you as the audience, right, as you say, are figuring it out alongside Riker. And then when the doors open... And it's like a 
new version of assume type android and they explain that like data's in there it's like oh my god right like data's back right we we really had the prospect of having all seven tng characters back together for the back half of this season and that is super exciting well, and lastly this week, Lakeshore Records have announced the hotly anticipated release of the Star Trek Picard Season 3 soundtrack. Created by composers Stephen Barton and Frederick Weidman, the album will release digitally on April 20th with 45 tracks covering every episode of the season. The season will also be getting a limited edition vinyl release alongside the digital soundtrack. And speaking about the music, this season to Trekcore at the season 3 premiere, Stephen Barton talked about the judicious use of the previous TV show and movie themes throughout the series. The biggest part of it for me also is the themes, he said. You have to use and treat them like absolute nuggets of gold. And one of the things you can't do is plaster them everywhere. You can't literally use them like the wallpaper on some kid's bedroom or something. We want to have that sort of sense of like we're really telling a story and not just sort of going, you don't want the music to be a commentator the whole time going, you're watching Star Trek. Did you forget you're watching Star Trek. I mean, we get it, we know. So it's using them in a very respectful way, and then sort of finding ways to develop them. Because, I mean, that's the other thing. Every time you look at Jerry Goldsmith's work, in particular every movie, he found a new way of putting a spin on it. When we re-recorded certain pieces of music, because there are a few, we would go back and I would look at the movies, and they were different speeds in different movies, and go back and say, okay, well, do we want to be the speed from Nemesis, or do we want to look at this? What are we trying to say with this? Sam, have you been enjoying the music of Star Trek Picard season three. Yeah, I'm getting tired of saying it, but we just have some of the best creatives in the business working in Star Trek. And right now, we're in such good hands with the composers on Picard, uh, Stephen Barton, with Nami Malamud doing Strange New Worlds and the amazing work she did with Prodigy, which is just, oh, everything's so good. And he says you, you treat those themes like nuggets of gold. In the sixth episode, where we saw each, we saw the Defiant, we heard a little DS9, we saw the Voyager. Uh, with Seven talking about that was her home. We heard the Voyager theme. He uses those nuggets, and it's done it. He's taken Goldsmith, Horner, the the, the folks from the, those themes. He's done. He did Let It Rosamond this yes, week. Yes, from from the the Bird of Prey. Yeah, it just it's just wonderful. And to me, that sound that that you just you're enveloped in it. And fans like you and I, and and thousands of others like us, that music is as much a part of Star Trek as anything else. And to what we've gotten with this season of Picard in particular. You know, I remember geeking out in the third episode of season one before Picard says engage, and you get that little TNG motif. And now I salivate because every episode's got something. Uh, I don't have to wait for that one a, a season. Now we get them one an episode or more. I'm just, I'm, I'm beyond, I can't wait until the 20th to get this. I, I, obviously, I looked at the track listing and I'm trying to suss my way through. What do these things mean? Where's the end? If there's four songs after this one that seems like it's the conclusion, that means maybe there's a big bow on the end of the season and we get some good feelings and hugs and a real conclusion. I just, I just can't wait. Four more weeks to go to find out. Yeah, I will say, having read the track list like you, there is nothing like super spoilery in it, right? Like it doesn't say anywhere track 47 the death of jean-luc picard right like there's nothing like that <laughs> no but or like track 52 you know barclay's return but <laughs> those were james horner titles but there are like if you are massively spoiler reverse right if you're jim morehouse level of spoiler reverse 
you don't want to read these track titles because I will say there are implications for what certain plot points could be later in the season. In, not in a way like where you're going to read something and go, oh, I know what happens now, but you're going to read it and go, ooh, I wonder what that means, mm -hmm. right? Like, what could that be? And it will spark some ideas in your mind. So if you're one of those people who, like, doesn't even want ideas sparked in your mind, don't read the track list until the season is over. Uh, I'm so excited for this. I This is my favorite Strange New World Season 1 prior to this was my favorite season of Star Trek music. Prodigy Season 1 is my third favorite season of Star Trek music, and Star Trek Picard Season 3 is my first favorite. I love of not just the old stuff, right? Like the way that they have really used the existing music and motifs to tell a story. The fact they use the first contact theme as the opening credit, or I guess now the closing credit music for this season. But I actually really like the new stuff as well, right? Like I love oh, absolutely. the Titan theme has really kind of, you know, sort of wormed its way into my soul. And it's a really recognizable theme, right? Like it's one that you can hum. And could you really say that about a lot of the Discovery or the Picard season one or two music, right? Like Jeff Russo's great, but like a very different composer than Stephen Barton, a very different mm -hmm. composer than Nami Melamed, who sort of do understand that sort of that themes matter and character themes and ship themes and thing themes like are baked into the DNA of Star Trek and season three of Picard, just like season one of Strange New Worlds before it, just like season one of Prodigy before that, are really sort of taking that baton and running with it. And I just can't wait to listen to these tracks, you know, sort of independent from the episodes and enjoy new rearrangements of a little bit of the Voyager theme and a little bit from Maratha Khan, a little bit from Voyage Home and a little bit from First Contact and a little bit from Nemesis, right? Like it's just a, it's a wonderful you know, sort of melange of different kinds of Star Trek sounds, and it's it's terrific. They've they've really created the ultimate uh, mixtape of what Star Trek music could be. Yeah, which is terrific, right? Like in the same way that, in some ways, the season itself is a mixtape. <laughs> True. Of what Star Trek can be. I wonder if the Star Trek Picard season three soundtrack is the mixtape that Picard made for Crusher that he referenced in <laughs> earlier in the season. It was, it was on the other side. You just flip, flip <laughs> yeah, the, the B side. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've talked about the facts. And now let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, Captain. But it's still all speculation and theory. So each week, my guests and I give you a wish or theory we're nurturing about any of the shows or the future of the franchise. So Sam, let's hear your theory or wish for this week. I'm going to give uh, both a wish and a warning. Okay. How's that? So a dramatic effect. My wish, and that is a little bit of that article that, that you referenced earlier, some comments yep. from Kurtzman, and something that I've had in the back of my heart for a long time since we've entered the streaming era of Star Trek. And as a I'm also a Doctor Who fan. Now, I'm not a big Whovian, uh, but I've watched them all. Uh, Who's your favorite Doctor? Twelfth Doctor. Peter Capaldi is my favorite Doctor. I love the eyebrows. Good man. Good man. Mine too. <laughs> but one of the things I love during the, the entire modern era has been the Christmas specials. And then I think it kind of morphed into some New Year's Day specials. But yep. it's that thing that you work towards. And if Kurtzman's vision can kind of begin to see and we can strip away and save some money and, and have this kind of streaming era 2.0, I would love to see, it doesn't have to be a Christmas special, maybe it's a, maybe it's a First Contact Day special, or maybe it's a, something that happens on Star Trek Day, where we kind of build each year 
maybe it's not every year, but every other year, or if it's every year, I'd love to have that, where we have that special movie. Uh, and it, again, a TV movie, it's an hour and a half. Voyager used to do it. We had the two-part TNG stuff. Uh, it doesn't have to be a full-on production, but we can tell a story that just sits there. And I'm excited if they can kind of bring back a little of that short tricks, extended version, and just tell a great story that's a treat for the fans. I could see where that could get expensive, but with a lot of the standing sets that they have now all over between Picard and Strange New Worlds and What's Left with Discovery, maybe they could build something together that could just be a treat. Because in Doctor Who land, very much those Christmas specials mean something. It's a part of the story. And with Star Trek, it doesn't necessarily have to be that, but I would love to see something where we build to like content excitement, not just announcement excitement. So that's my that's my wish. What's the warning? The warning. So this past, uh, was it Sunday or Saturday, that Master Replicas went on sale? Yes. So I... Hurry up very, and get there quickly. Is that very the much there, refreshing <laughs> the screen. I got into that game very, very late. Unlike you and a lot of our friends and guests, I did not, I don't have nearly, I have like seven of them. I got bit at Mission Chicago and bought like seven of them, mm -hmm. but very little bit spotty as best I could do. And I have some gaps. And then of course the company goes under yep. and now Master Replicas is back. So I'm, I'm clicking and clicking and refreshing. Oh, it's up. What do I need? I need a Enterprise C. Oh, a Defiant. Let me get a Defiant. And as I'm sitting there tapping for three minutes, Maybe I get an XL. I don't have a lot of space. Maybe I get an XL Deep Space Nine. Sold out. Oh, crap. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe I get... <laughs> it, it, you got to be under the gun. You got to be fast. I got the two that I, I wanted, definitely wanted, and I didn't get anything else. And there's still some things there, but I'm not really looking for Neelix's ship. So yeah, my warning is if you want those, be fast. Be there right at the time that the gates open. What, another less than a week? before they're back up again? I think they put it two? back to like the Friday after. So like okay. rather than round, because the first one went up on a Sunday, but then it's going to be Fridays moving forward. So rather than have it be 11 days, they made it, what, like 17 days for the okay. first round before the second. Uh, yeah, be there at the time that I guess, you know, now it's not the website will open, but that the stock will change over. And my other piece of advice, since Shopify is the platform they use, create yourself a Shopify account and put a payment method in there so it's pre-saved and put your address in there so it's pre-saved. So once you add things to your cart and you hit checkout, all you have to do is put in the code that it texts you, all of your information populates, and then you just hit the purchase button and you are done. Saves you valuable seconds of time if there's something you really want. And some of these items were pretty, all right, like I think there was sort of people were looking at the sort of stock counts and the Cerritos, which sold out within seconds, there maybe were five of them. Oh. So like, you know, it really paid, I guess, in this case, or, or it really allowed you to pay to sort of, you know, have that kind of shortcut system in place. And Shopify is a platform that they use all across the internet. So actually, it's really useful to have it preloaded anyway, because, you know, when you're out doing your online shopping, you can, you know, get access to a lot of that stuff quickly that way and not have to be reaching for your credit card all the time. But yes, good warning. Very good warning. Well, my I guess my wish this week, I'd, I'd had a stupid wish and I'm going to throw it out and I'm going to align myself with your wish around doing the sort of like event television piece because and 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 it was you bringing up doctor who that really got me on it because one of my favorite pieces of doctor who media is the 50th anniversary special the day of the doctor where they Perfect. did the, the perfectly executed yeah yeah just like a wonderful like tv movie where in the sort of modern era they'd had like at that point 
three doctors they were bringing in another and they kind of had a team up of them right like and it was just really fun and it was a story that was very relevant to kind of the like underlying story themes that had existed at that point it was 2012 since the show had been back on the air in 2005 and like I rewatched that a lot I don't rewatch Doctor Who a lot but that I do is if I go back and rewatch anything Doctor Who it's Day of the Doctor I just really enjoy watching it and it'd be cool to have something like that for Star Trek and of course as we as I was mulling that over in my mind I was then like oh, well that kind of is what Star Trek Picard season 3 is right with <laughs> all these crossover between you know like what was it Jim Morehouse said for this week's episode The Bounty you had you had three series regulars from other series TNG mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine Voyager on a fourth series that being Picard and the first time that's ever happened crazy in the Star Trek franchise I guess someone sort of challenged that Kobayashi from Prodigy did the same thing but I guess we could say in live action you know which is more difficult than doing it in animation so like yeah like Picard season 3 could be that but it doesn't have to be something that's a 10 episode season right it could just be something that's like really cool really thoughtful really big we're now what is it what is today that's the 57th anniversary this year well we're three years away from the big 6-0 right like so maybe there's some kind of like 60th anniversary celebration that they could start planning now that would not just be a logo and maybe a 60th anniversary convention and you know some of that stuff but that would be a sort of on-screen celebration of Star Trek. Star Trek Beyond kind of ended up being that Mm -hmm. for the 50th anniversary but not because it was planned as a 50th anniversary celebration it just happened to be a Star Trek movie. (laughs) Yeah right it was a Star Trek movie coming out in 2016 that was the only piece of Star Trek media that came out in 2016 but like for 2026 let's blow it out right let's let's do do something big let's celebrate it and like you know let's do the trials and tribulations which was the 30th anniversary oh. you know like special episode for We're the instantly 60th aged. Episode. i watched I that know. yeah <laughs> i know <laughs> but so 30 years later let's do that again in 2026 i i, I really hope that kurtzman or somebody else affiliated with senior leadership of current star trek has that year in the back of their mind has on the calendar this is what we think we're going to be making that year and is already starting to think about can we take advantage of the fact it's a 60th anniversary of Star Trek to really celebrate the franchise. And so, yeah, let's do the day of the Star Trek 2026. I'm all in for that. Take all the writers' rooms together, just buy several uh, cases of Picard, Chateau Picard, stick them <laughs> in a writer's room, and just see, and sprinkle in some old guys and just see what happens uh, with the story that they could tell. And they have the entire Star Trek universe as their as their sandbox. I think it could be it could be it could be incredible. Do you have a theory or a wish for Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, or Prodigy that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek or email them to me at Weekly Trek at the Transmissions.com and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest Sam Nelson for joining me today. Sam, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? I am uh, readily available on Twitter still at slnelson77. And you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Sam. Thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper. 